What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, how you doing today? Uh, I've had better days, Jeff. I've had better days. I think that is the sentiment, Rob, of a lot of baseball fans. Um, as we're recording this, this is Tuesday. And the CBA negotiations between Major League Baseball and the Players Association have broke down without a deal being reached, uh, despite a deadline of February 28th, which was yesterday. It was extended until 5 o'clock today. And shortly around 4.15 or so, it was announced that there would be no deal and Rob Manford, the commissioner of baseball, has since announced that the first two series of the regular season have been canceled. So for a lot of baseball fans all across the country and beyond, this is not a good day. Not at all, man. It's a dark, dark day for the sport of baseball. And, um, We'll see what happens moving forward, but for now, man, it's it's a lot of raw emotion, I would say, that, you know, the baseball community is feeling at this moment. And, you know, Rob, I mean, the, you know, the negotiations have been going on for quite a while. I mean, they, you know, they started over a year ago. Uh, it picked up in earnest over the summer and into the fall. Um, we know that you know, December 2nd, um, uh, upon the expiration of the CBA, uh, Major League Baseball instituted a lockout and the players have been locked out ever since. They continued, they continue to be locked out um, for six weeks after the lockout. Major League Baseball did not reach out to the Players Association or to the players to try to resume negotiations. And then negotiations did resume in mid-January sort of at a slow pace, but they certainly picked up over the last week as the sides were in Florida and they pretty much negotiated Rob around the clock for nine days in a row, but could not reach an agreement. Um, And there's still some, you know, uh, issues obviously that need to be resolved. The competitive balance tax uh, minimum salaries and, and, and a few other issues but, you know, the frustration, I think, that a lot of fans feel, and I know a lot of players feel, uh, you know, having worked with players uh, on this, is that, you know, the negotiations didn't really turn serious until recently. And here we are, February now turning into March. And that was a gambit that has proven to be unsuccessful. And now we have regular season games being canceled. Yeah, and you make a great point there, you know, where the negotiations didn't heat up until this past week. And like you mentioned earlier, in December, the beginning of December, the lockout, the league-imposed lockout was put in place. Um, the Rob Manfred released a letter to the fans, is what he called it, basically saying that the lockout was put in place to jumpstart negotiations. And six weeks passed, and there were no talks. Um, you know, there's a lot of reports that the, the union was 
trying to get things going, but the league side was not having it. And you sit here today and you see, you know, you hear what Commissioner Manfred said during his press conference, and he also released a letter as well today, basically restating the, the entire press conference. And he says, you know, basically wish we had more time to get something done. And it's like, wait a minute. There were six weeks in between the day it was locked out to the day you guys started negotiating with the players. Those six weeks could have been used and we wouldn't be in this situation right now. You know, the league set this deadline of February 28th, which was yesterday. And then they set the deadline, extended it to today to 5 p.m. And, you know, when when you hear that, oh, wish we had more time or something of, something of that nature, you think back to December 2nd when he said, uh, when Manfred said the lockout was put in place to jumpstart negotiations and so much time passed without anything happening. It's just frustrating. Right, and I think the frustration that you feel and you just expressed is what a lot of fans of Major League Baseball feel. And and I know a lot of the players feel the same way, that a lot of time was wasted, um, that you know some of the negotiation that was going on really was not negotiation, and that things didn't get serious until the last week to 10 days. And, you know, um, one of the things that Rob Manfred said at his press conference, which was true, was that both sides tried, I guess. Um, you know, he detailed all the things that Major League Baseball did. Hey, we gave them this. We were willing to do this. We did the universal DH. We raised the minimums. We offered the minimums to be 700. It was 570 last year. And he, you know, he ticked off all these things. But, you know, on the players' side, you know, the players, you know, agreed to expanded playoffs. Um, they have, you know, they backed off of certain things that the owners, um, you know, did not want, like, you know, changes to revenue sharing. They backed off on, you know, the demands for increased arbitration. Uh, at first, they wanted all players with two years to have salary arbitration rights. They backed off and they even backed off on increasing the number of super two players. Um, so, you know, there, there were efforts made to try to get a deal done, but it seems that the sticking point um, or one of them is the competitive balance tax, mm -hmm. which, you know, in, in many ways operates as a soft cap because there are so many teams that are not willing to go over the cap because they don't want to pay the tax uh, associated with exceeding the, the salary threshold. And so for players, they believe that number needs to move up because it did not move up much in the last CBA. It needs to move up appreciably, players feel, because of the way industry revenues have grown, right? And there needs to be some correlation between the growth of revenue and the increase in the threshold. That's not unreasonable to, to make that correlation. And, you know, MLB has said, well, we'll go from, you know, 210 or 214 to 220 on, you know, the first year of the thresholds. And, you know, they want to stay there for three years and then go up to 224 and then go up to 230. And the players are saying, no, players are starting at 238. So that's a pretty big gap, right? 
and you know and then the players go up from there from 238 so there's a lot of room to you know to cover there to to come to some kind of an agreement but you know it's uh it, it's just one of those things i mean you know there was no guarantee that a deal was going to get done today and i think there was some what turned out to be false hope put out last night you know um by certain people that hey the sides are close to a deal and there were really some some real work to get done today and as we've seen they weren't able to bridge the gap and so here we are yeah and you make good points on the on the cbt acting like a soft cap because that essentially that's what a lot of teams are using it as um and <laughs> i can speak to this as a yankee fan the yankees have been operating that way for a few years now where you know even just last year making the trade for for gallo and rizzo they gave up more prospect capital in order for the Cubs and Rangers, respectively, to cover the salaries of those players, of Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo that they received in return. So they gave up more prospects to have that salary covered to not go over that $210 million luxury tax or, or threshold. Um, and it's, it's just not okay because when you look at speaking about revenues and all that stuff, you know, in the statements that are being released by the league and, and Manfred talking about it. They say that the last five or so years have been difficult for MLB owners. Um, but when you look at the revenue that MLB generates, they've, they've continued to go up. And I think this is like the 17th straight year that revenue has gone up and uh, through 2019, which is the last year prior to COVID um, it's gone up every year for 17 straight years through 2019 up to 10.7 billion dollars which is a record for the league and, and you know a 30 percent increase in revenue meanwhile player salary continues to go down and you know <laughs> something has to give at some point and i know that you know it's negotiations but um i think the the threshold the cbt threshold does have to be a situation where it's not a fixed number every year I think what the owners and, and the league is proposing, keeping it at 220, while, yeah, it looks nice the first year where you go up from that 210 to 220, remaining at 220 for the next couple of years and then just slightly going up after that, I don't think that really does make the change that we want to see in Major League Baseball as fans and as the players. You know, they want to see their teams be competitive and spend money in order to be competitive. Right. That's right. And, you know, um, as you said, as as revenues continue to go up and also, too, as franchise values continue to go up, that this means that the industry is healthy financially. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and yes, everybody took a hit for covid. No doubt about that. But, you know, the industry is relatively healthy. Um you know, as you said, the increases year over year in in revenue, um, the continued increases in franchise values. And then for the last four years, players seeing the average salary go down in each of those years. Something's wrong with that picture. Yeah. Something's wrong with that picture, right? And so players are trying to address that. Now, they, you know, what was part of, you know, the 
agreed upon areas was a pre-arb, pre-arbitration bonus pool for those players who are not yet eligible for arbitration, but who perform at a high level, there's an opportunity to get some additional money. There's even a, a gap on that as well, Rob, because players wanted that pool to be $115 million. Um, owners started out at $10 million. You know, they did get it up to $30 million uh, as of today, but the players were at $85 million. So there's a $55 million gap that remains uh, as it concerns that pre-arbitration bonus pool. That's a pretty big gap to deal with as well. And so in addition to CBT, you also have the pre-arbitration bonus pool as a major issue that's out there. And that's an important um, that's an important topic for the union because they've stated from the from the very beginning that one of their goals is to get younger players paid earlier in their career consistent with the value that they're creating, meaning that if you're having players going out there who are generating, you know, you know, top-notch production, even though they're not arbitration eligible, they should be paid for that production um, through this bonus pool. And right now there's a major gulf that exists between the two sides on that point. Yeah. And that's actually something that I've talked to just friends, talking to my friends about it, how teams have these younger talents, you know, the zero to three year talents that come up and they light up the world, but then they're getting paid, you know, essentially the bare minimum that you can pay a player. And you look at the production they they're putting on the field, the, you know, the attraction they are off the field, you know, that's, that's revenue being generated for the team, yet these players are not being compensated for that, at least fairly. And it's it's not right. You know, these players should have the opportunity of if you're going out there your rookie year or your second or your second year in the league and you're bashing forty home runs and you're lighting up the world and everybody's paying money to see you, whether you're home or away, they're here to see, you know, that player on that team, that's revenue being generated, buying that jersey, all that stuff. And the player is not reaping the benefits of that. And this that's just not okay, you know. In, in any way you look at it, it's just not fair. It's not okay. Right. That's right. And so I think, you know, um, you know, many times, you know, these negotiations, whether it's in baseball or football, basketball or hockey, you know, many times, it, you know, they're characterized as, you know, millionaires and billionaires fighting. And, you know, the truth is that as baseball has skewed younger and younger, that means that you have more and more players who are making at or around the minimum salary. And last year, the minimum salary was $570,000, not millions of dollars, 570000 And when you have half or maybe even more than half of you know, players in Major League Baseball now making around that amount. This is this. Everybody's not a millionaire, and yeah. you know, players are looking to get a fairer slice of the pie. Um, and you know, who doesn't want that as a worker, as someone providing services, talent, and and so forth. And so that's what's that's what's that issue. Um, but uh, no agreement. 
And so right now, um, there's postponement of gains. But going back to the other point that we mentioned, Rob, there's a lot of frustration at the amount of time that has been wasted. And then, you know, as is typical of this industry, notorious for not getting anything done unless there's a deadline. It's just a notorious part of the baseball industry. And so a deadline was set and it didn't work, Rob. It did not work. And now we have games that are lost. And so there's a lot of frustration of saying it didn't have to play out this way. But again, who orchestrated this? Who locked out the players? Who didn't, you know, resume negotiations until six weeks after the lockout? How is that a jump start? Exactly. And as a fan, and and allow me to be a little bit unfiltered here, what it showed me is that the owners did not have a mindset, at least from my point of view, did not have the mindset to come to an agreement at all, at least not according to the deadlines they're setting. Um, It's it's funny you bring up the deadline stuff because it, it is how MLB operates. And, you know, losing out on games, does not affect the revenue or the profits for the owners at the start of the season. Because when you look at when baseball starts, you know, there is the March Madness, the NBA is still going on. There's a lot of stuff happening still outside of baseball that people are tuning into. So once baseball heats up, which is, you know, the summer months, that's when you see the real gener- the, the real revenue generation. And then in the playoffs in October. So for me, from this perspective, it looks like the owners had no – intention of getting a full season in had no intention of getting this agreement done because they can recoup the money that they're going to lose now and double, maybe triple it come October when the playoffs start. And it's unfortunate from a fan's perspective to see that and see that so much time was wasted because a lot of the, the story that they're, that you heard today from the league side was the fans We're doing this for the fans. We were hoping for the fans, if you really cared about the fans, you wouldn't have lost those six weeks. You know, you wouldn't have said, we're going to lock everyone out and jumpstart. You didn't jumpstart anything. You shut the league down and went home, went through the holidays, enjoyed your vacations, and then came back and tried to make it, try to win a PR battle almost, what it felt like on social media, and kind of pushed the blame on the players for stuff not getting done by the deadline. And it's unfortunate that we're here because it's almost, it almost feels like a story of, of greed from the owner's side. And baseball continues to be at the end of every joke when it comes to stuff like this. And this situation for me is just it's no different. And it's, it's embarrassing as a fan of the sport and someone who, who covers the sport. It's embarrassing that we are here in this situation today. And one last thing, Rob, to pick up on your point about, you know, the owners not necessarily being concerned about those early games is, you know, there's, there's been a fair amount of reporting on, you know, that MLB was prepared to lose a month of the season. And I believe part of that is, one, that that Gates attendance in the ballpark is not as important as it used to be Mm. to club revenue because now it's about television rights and other associated rights and sponsorships and all those types of things 
And so, you know, gate revenue is not the driver that it used to be back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. It's, it's different now, um, the way revenue is generated. And then in addition to that, you know, my understanding is, is that baseball in as part of its television contracts, um, you know, will get full freight, get the full rights payments, even if they don't provide a full 162 games of inventory, right? That they can maybe provide 140 or 145 games. So if you know you have a cushion before you start losing some of that television money, what's your rush? Try to get something done, especially when gates aren't driving revenue. And so I think those, when you look at this, it kind of explains why it seems as if there was re- there was no real sense of urgency after this lockout, which was designed to jumpstart negotiation. There was no sense of urgency to start negotiating because it was, well, if we lose some games early in the season, we will still get paid as owners through our television contracts, but the players won't get paid because they're not playing. That's what it, yeah. that's what it seems like when you look at this in a broader picture and see how this has played out over the last several months. So, um, look, there's been a lot of gamesmanship here, but um, in the end, it hasn't worked, and now we're in a pickle, and um, we'll see what happens, Rob, because now games are being missed, and if um, if there's not a quick resolution then, you know, more and more games will be missed. And as you said, that's, that's too bad. Yeah, it, it'll be, it won't be good. Let's just put it that way. It won't be good for the sport. And it's just not a good look, man. It's just not. Yeah. Switching gears real quick. Um, another baseball story that's not a good look is the, the story coming out of Miami. We're Hall of Famer. Derek Jeter, New York Yankee, your guy, one of your guys. Um, You know, he had an ownership stake in the Marlins, but yesterday um, he stepped down um, uh, and he relinquished his shares or, you know, uh, sold his shares back or got his shares back, however you want to say it. But he's now no longer part of the Marlins franchise. You know, he was the CEO of the Marlins. Uh, He had a 4% ownership stake in the team. Um, He had a five-year contract as CEO. And, you know, um, he was, he had, he'd been there for four years. It it doesn't seem like it was four years, Rob, but he was there for four years. And he released a statement yesterday that had a very interesting line in it. He, he actually two sentences. He said, the vision for the future of the franchise is different than the one I signed up to lead. Now is the right time for me to step aside as a new season begins. And what that clearly sounds like is that the vision that the franchise is now putting forward is not the one he said was presented to me and what led me to sign up on this deal in the first place. 
Because you know something about Jeter. Anybody who knows Jeter wants to win. Yep. That's it. He just wants to win. And he probably knew that he was going to have to lose for a while in Miami, but that there was a commitment of winning. And we've seen now reports coming out that he thought there would be, you know, 10 to $15 million available to spend for some additional players after the lockout was over. And it seems now the team had gone back on that. And so for Jeter, he's saying, you guys aren't as committed to winning as I am. I'm out of here. And he's yeah, gone. And, yeah. And listen, if I was in his shoes, as great as it would be to be an owner of a team, and that's always been his dream. He's always said it. Play shortstop for the Yankees, own a baseball team. I would walk away as well if I was in that position. Like you said, Derek Jeter is synonymous with winning. That's it. He's, you know, God rest his soul. He's the Kobe Bryant of, of baseball. Those two guys were exactly the same, competitive, trying to win. That's it. Nothing else mattered. And when you're given or you're put in this role and people criticize, you know, a lot of the moves he made as CEO and and running the baseball ops, I thought he did a great job of rebuilding that franchise from the bottom up. Yeah, it took some, you know, slashing of payroll where he traded Giancarlo Sainz to the Yankees and stuff like that. But the return that they got for – for trading a lot of these guys, the Christian Yelich, the Marcelo Zunas, uh, obviously Giancarlo Stan, et cetera, et cetera, they built a foundation. They're, they rebuilt that farm system, and they have some good talent at the major league level, especially in the pitching, in the rotation now. And they're reaping the benefits of the moves that, you know, he, or- he orchestrated when he first got there over these last, you know, three to four years. And then to move to this point where it's like, okay, we got the rotation. We got the farm system. Let's add some veteran talent. Let's spend some money, and let's start winning games. You know, they, they were in the playoffs. Granted, it was a COVID season, shortened season and all that stuff, but they made the playoffs. You have some momentum going. Why not continue to build on that, continue to spend money that is available that you guys have to continue to build that team? You know, it's not like the NL East is this juggernaut division. Yeah, you have the Braves that just won the World Series. But they struggled throughout the season. You know, the Nationals struggled. The Mets, sorry, Jeff, the Mets, but they, you know, they have their <laughs> struggles as well. Same That's thing right. with the Phillies. So why not make a move? And especially when you have the two wild cards and all that stuff. And you, you may have known that expanded playoffs were coming and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Why not make the move, spend the money to improve that franchise, improve the team, and get that team back to a respectable status? And when that wasn't happening, Derek Jeter did what Derek Jeter is going to do. If you're not committed to winning, well, I'm not committed to you. Yeah. I mean, and as you said, they, they made some moves, you know, early on. And even in this offseason, you know, they made some moves. Um, signing Avisel Garcia, trading for Joey Wendell and bringing over Jacob Stallings. Uh, gold glove catcher from Pittsburgh. So they made some moves, right, to improve the team. And But, again, Jeter thought there were some, some additional moves to be made. Um, and, you know, Jeter just, we said it before, he just wants to win. And it's not about being good enough or, you know, you know just being better. He wants to be the best. It's about winning yeah. the, champ- the World <laughs> Series. And, um, 
So yeah, and you know, and and to be the only African American owner, even though he only had a four percent stake, but still he had an ownership stake in the team. Um, Hall of Famer, icon of the game, and to lose him, I mean, and you know, not only you know, you mentioned the players and everything else, and you know, he also brought in Kim Ang as the first female GM. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, you know, he was doing some things in 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 that. Uh, in Miami and with that franchise. And again, he's an icon who is now stepped away from the game. Um, and you, and you know, you would have to think he's going to resurface at some point and be a prominent uh, figure in the game once again, but it remains to be seen in what capacity, but that's another big story on this week. And it again, and that's not a good story for Major League Baseball. And now with the failed negotiations, uh, the last two days for Major League Baseball have been anything but good. So um, we're obviously going to keep, we're obviously going to keep an eye on this story, Rob. (laughs) We're going to come back again. There's going to be a lot to talk about here, but, um, you know, we'll wrap it up at this point, knowing that, um, you know, we may be back real soon talking about the latest on the lockout in Major League Baseball, the cancellation of opening day and the first week of the season. Um, sad time for, for baseball fans like yourself. Yeah. And listen, if the Steinbrenners feel like selling the Yankees, I hope Derek Jeter jumps on it. <laughs> yeah. I would not mind. <laughs> yeah. He'll be back. He he will be he will. back. You know, he'll be back. I think the back. game needs him. The game needs him. He's, you can argue he's still the most popular baseball player there is right now. So, right. yeah. The game needs he, him. Yeah. And, and and the game also needs to get back on the field, and hopefully we will see that happen. But um, right now, negotiations have broken down, and no – indication yet when they will resume but let's stay on top of it rob and as things develop let's come back and talk about it analyze it and offer our take on the latest so all right brother listen you be good and um we will be talking soon i believe as we get back to covering one of the biggest stories in major league baseball in quite some time Until then, brother, take care, all right? Thank you, Jeff. Take care, man.